0: This daily hunt from Seawolf Pod was recorded Wednesday, May 22nd, 2018. As such, some things may have changed since then. For the latest updates on Seawolf's rugby, please visit www.seawolfpod.com and follow Seawolf Pod on Instagram for the most recent news and highlights. Here's the show. One, two, this is Seawolf Pod. Uh, 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 uh. Good morning, WolfPod. If you are a Seattle Seawolves Major League Rugby fan or curious about the team, you are in the right place. And if you're not, there are many other reasons that could bring you here, as SeawolfPod is the number one source for Seattle Seawolves content. I'm Raymond T., your host, a super fan of the team. Uh, also founder and a bunch of other things at Sea Wolf Pod, including my self-bestowed nicknames, One Man Wolf Pod, and One Take Wonder. I started playing rugby at Lewis and Clark College and now play for the Oregon Sports Union, aka Orsu, that's O-R-S-U, Jesters. Orsu Jesters, Oregon Sports Union Jesters, whatever you want to say. Orsu Jesters is easier. It's a USA senior men's club rugby team. Um, and My teammates there have squared up against and even played with uh, current Seawolves as well as other MLR players. Today, I am recapping Utah at Seattle from last weekend, the date of which it was played Sunday, May 20th, 2018. The Utah Warriors flew up to the Pacific Northwest to scrum down with the Seattle Seawolves in round five of Major League Rugby. Utah looked for their first away win while Seattle sought to break away for its second place tie in MLR standings with West Coast rival San Diego Legion. Um, Utah ranked fourth going into its second away match in its season, having lost the previous match to the San Diego Legion, the previous away match. Um, The thought was surely that this match would affect the morale moving forward on their road trip that includes another two away matches against Houston and Austin in Texas before returning to Utah to face the gold. Unfortunately for Utah's road morale, Seattle sees second place in their 41-32 to 32 victory, making a strong statement to all of Major League Rugby with the help of their 16th man home field advantage, enough cotton seeds in the air to think St. Helens had erupted, and the kind of endurance adequate for 80 minutes, maybe a few solo legs of hood to coast. Most impressive, perhaps, was Seattle's defense, which featured 165 tackles made throughout the test, according to official stats from Major League Rugby, or roughly one successful tackle every 30 seconds. That's insane. The first half even included a 30-phase possession from Utah, in which Seattle Shirley stoked that tackle count, crushing the Warriors' hopes for a score and what was an impressive display of continuity on offense. Credit to Utah there. So according to those official stats from MLR, Utah controlled 54% of the possession in this match, spent 63% of the match in Seattle's half, including 13 minutes in our 22-meter section, which is like the red zone, Um, and even had eight line breaks. In response, Seattle won seven total turnovers, two lineouts, one against their throw, missed 32 tackles, much more than Utah this match, although Utah made less tackles overall, intercepted one pass, that was Stoller, and as I said, just made an unfathomable 165 tackles. On offense, Seattle controlled 46% of the possession, Spent 37% of the match in Utah's half, including 16 minutes in the opposition 22, and had only three line breaks. It's always interesting how you can come away with a win when you spend less time in the other team's half and have less of the possession. I think that's called efficiency on offense, and probably a lot of people do. In response, on defense, Utah won six total turnovers, four lineouts, one against the throw, one pass intercept, and made 98 tackles. Both teams had several handling errors on offense, but Utah had more with 11 handling errors, whereas Seattle had only seven. I think there are at least three things we did especially well in this match that led to our win. Um, We were just totally committed on defense is the first thing. We made almost 84% of our tackles, but... This is something Utah did well, too, so it wasn't like we did this uniquely over the opposition. They made 85% of their tackles, so just a smidge more than Seattle. Um, so here are some things that we did that Utah didn't, and I think these really made the win um, more than that last point, even though our defense was certainly important, Um when opportunities presented themselves to break with the ball, we seized them. Um, some key moments that showed this for me were Tiberio's runs down the wing where he beat multiple defenders as well as Mac always keeping an eye on openings in the defense to pull the ball out of the breakdown and give it a good run. I think one of the announcers said that Tiberio just uh, – He just went for it. He knew he wanted to pin his ears back and just fucking run and, um, excuse my French, but you know, it just, it, it was cool that that's working out for us. Um, and then the last thing here, um, that we did really well and didn't really even feature itself that much, which I'll get into some numbers on that was our scrum. Um, we gave the backs a stable scrum for a solid attacking platform. So when the forwards get their work done in the scrum, um, Unlike our first match, where that turned into a lot of penalty tries, or we've had you know moments where we drive forward, that you know good ball out of the scrum, quick ball, we we saw that a lot from Seattle in this match, even though there weren't a lot of scrums, and that was key. Um, it's it's easy to miss. It was kind of a subtle thing, but every scrum that we had, we won and got quick ball. Whereas Utah was constantly under pressure in the scrum. Whether on offense or defense. The actual stats I had on scrums were um, five scrums total for Seattle that were all one, and three scrums all won by Utah. But that said, Utah was under pressure on every one of their three scrums, whereas Seattle was getting the nudge on Utah while opting for the quick ball each time. So when the ball goes into the scrum, like Max feeding it always from the left side, because that's how scrums work. And that first channel that's closest to him, if you imagine left, middle, and right as three different channels in the scrum, um, that first channel is closest to him. The ball gets through quick, and he gets it out, and that fits his playing style well of attacking, um, which maybe he got from seven. So, um Interesting too, all of our scrums were in the second half. And I think that just shows how much of Utah's handling errors were coming from them getting tired in the second half. Whereas our handling errors that became scrum resets turned into Utah scrums. That was twice in the first half and just once in the second half. And that speaks to our endurance and ability to handle the ball, even pushing through the last 40 of 80 minutes. And what was widely agreed in the online rugby media community to be a very fast paced, hard hitting match. Um, I'd say lineouts were somewhat of a different story um, than the rest of this game. And I've definitely seen the opinion floating around that um, the quality of lineouts, in addition to defense, is it's where Major League Rugby has some catching up to do compared to um, rugby in the rest of the world? Whether that's true, um, I'll let you decide. I'm still trying to make up my opinion on that. I've definitely been impressed by our defense, um, and I've seen our lineouts, you know, work out really well. But then again, um, you know, we had some some issues in the lineout in this last match. So. Um, I counted Seattle as having 12 lineouts, six in each half. We did um, best on our lineouts in the first half, only losing one of them, which was in the 29th minute, whereas we lost three lineouts in the second half, which occurred at the 47th minute, 72nd minute, and 78th minute. Maybe we're getting tired. Um, The last of which we lost, it was somewhat catastrophic. It led to a Utah try. Um, I have to say, I am not sure when Tolu Tao started doing the lineout throws, if that was True Weiler that went out. It just didn't work out particularly well in the second half um, for a guy who got player of the week, and I applaud his efforts, but um, that was definitely not the greatest way to end the match. Um, it put into question his throwing ability um, at the lineout if the number seven on his back wasn't already enough to do that. Um 'Cause that's for hookers to do. So um but kind of in the sense like kicking conversions is for fly halves to do. Like it doesn't have to be that way. Staller's a great kicker. There's lots of teams out there, like Lee Halfpenny is in a fly half, and he does the kicking um, in Europe. So you just have to look at you know who has the skills and how are they performing. And I don't think he performed particularly well throwing at the line out, even though he was really the player of the week across every other category. Um, as for Utah's lineouts, Utah had eleven lineouts, five in the first half and six in the second half. In the first half, they only lost one lineout, like Seattle, and one of their lineouts led to a try, um, which was sort of this this cheeky play in the 17th minute that I guess I heard they had done before in a previous match, um, catching Seattle asleep on the short side with a pass to the hooker. They only lost one line out in the second half, which means that they did much better creating turnovers in the line out than Seattle and securing their own lineouts when it came time to throw the ball in. So I definitely think Utah um, outdid us in the lineout. I I could be wrong. I'd love to be corrected. Hit me up on social media. Twitter's probably a good place for that, at Um, I think penalties, and correct me if I'm wrong here too, for me it was a bit frustrating to watch in this match. There were 21 total penalties from each side, um, 11 for Seattle and 10 for Utah. Both teams committed more penalties in the second half as they got tired, but Seattle had one more penalty than Utah in the first half. Like the lineouts, it goes to show we could have cleaned up our game a bit and just to win as a result we should be really happy that the mistakes with penalties and the lineout didn't cost us um i mean we could talk about morass kicking but anyways um i think before some last comments i had on the match i just want to break down scoring you already know the score was 41 32 which For some reason, not everybody got right. Um, So for Seattle, Rosalika, Turner, and Tolutau each scored one try in the first half. Smith converted every single one of those tries. A job well well done by the fly half. Um, Bravo, Smith. Um, Smith also secured three points on a penalty for us in the 30th minute, and Stoller did so as well in the 40th minute. Um, our wing, or I think our right wing. Um, Smith was getting a bit beat up in the first half by some of the big Utah forwards, maybe Paul Asique too. Um, So I wonder if Stoller went ahead and took that kick at the end of the first half because Smith was just literally trying to get his head on straight. Um, I think Smith went out, but I'm not sure if he was out at that point. Um, In the second half, Mack and Talutau both had tries, which were both converted by Stoller, our right wing. Um, who kind of rotated to a different position because Smith was out of that point. So just to sum up our scoring, we did a lot more in the first half than the second half, which is actually contrary to um, some opinions I just saw floating around in the in the rugby pundit space um, that like the second half was just a try-fest. Um, same goes for Utah, who had three tries in the first half with one penalty and two tries in the second half converting only one. Their fly half-marath just didn't get the job done converting these tries. Regardless of how hard they were, he could have learned something from Smith and Staller. Um, Utah left eight, eight points off the board from tries not converted, which could have made this a much closer match. Um, in other words, lose by just one point instead of nine. Um, and then just, uh, you know, there were double scores on each team, double try scores, uh, Tolitao had two tries and then their hooker Tui Pelotu had two tries. Um, Yeah. I mean, you look at the Nola game and if they had kicked better, we could have lost. You look at this game, if Morath had kicked better, we could have lost. But we're getting close to wrapping up here. My final notes on this game um, is kind of centered around injuries and what we'll see moving forward here against Nola at home this weekend. So, um, I'm interested to see if Barton and Smith will make their ways back into the lineup. Um, Barton was in for Suniola at 12 because of a head knock, but Barton himself went out early in this game against Utah due to a head knock, which led to a rotation of the backs that I couldn't quite nail down, but looked like Holder back at 10. Rasalika at 12 instead of 13, Stoller at 13, Tiberio still on the wing, Masonogaloo on the other wing, and Turner still at fullback. Um, Smith went out in the second half. I think that was also due to a head knock. Um, Seeing Trierweiler in this match for the first time, it left me with a promising impression. Um, And the announcers said that Sequoia, was in, um, but I didn't get a good feel for what to expect from him, except for um, I thought I might have seen him just flying into a ruck um, at high speed in the corner that I was sitting in, which definitely impressed me uh, if that was him. Um, Trewiler missing two throws seems to be what led Seattle to having Tao throw it in, but I can't be certain without having a conversation with, say, their coach and scrum half, um, Phil Mack. Mack, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on maybe after the season when you're not so busy, um, you're doing a great job. So that is a wrap, Wolf Pod. We had a great game. Could have gone either way. I still probably got cotton in my lungs. Um, We've got an exciting match up again at home this weekend versus Nola Gold, with whom our last encounter ended pretty close, but still a W for us in our first away win. I expect that we will win the match this weekend too, but you'll have to tune in Friday for my preview. Tomorrow, I'll be doing some fan education on the pod. I'm experimenting a bit with the schedule and think the best deal for everybody will be daily pods to keep us hunting. All right, wolf pod, thanks again for listening. You know the deal. Hunt together, pod alone, and go see wolves.